I wanted to definitely wish everybody a happy Friday and a great weekend, but today we are here to talk about Thursday. More professionally, Thursday Labs, as they call themselves. So Jake joined us for today's episode on the Down to Business podcast. And one thing that you should know about Jake is that he's super outdoorsy. Another thing you should know is that he loves all things action sports. And then one last thing is that he fell in love with YouTube and graphic design at a very young age and really just never looked back from there. So what Thursday does essentially is they help tech founders run and build their entire content function in order to drive revenue. Because we all know one of the names of the game today is content creation. But as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a creative, it can be overwhelming. It's hard to keep up with the times. It feels like there's always something new out there. So essentially Thursday is really trying to take that weight off of your shoulders, make it easier for you, for your brand, and give you enough content to really push across 11 different mediums. 11 different mediums, yes, you heard that correctly. And last but certainly not least, if you're like me and you like to eat, you will be very interested in Jake's story about dinner parties, a blue plate special, and how that influenced their name. So without further ado, enjoy episode 174, From Unknown to Unforgettable. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Down to Business podcast here with Tamar Turner. I'm excited for today, man. I'm excited for today because I feel like Jake is going to be able to help you all out. And, and for the people out there who've really been tapping in with the podcast, I say I'm excited about every interview. Uh, don't don't make Jake feel like he's all special. Well, Jake is very special. But I'm, I'm just letting you all know, too, that I feel like after you kind of hear his spiel, hear what he does, even check out the website, the content, everything like that. He could be of help to me. He could be of help to a lot of people who I've talked to and a lot of people who just tap into this podcast. So I'm excited for him to give you all everything that he has, to give you all a little background about him, even tell you all about his nomadic lifestyle to a sense as he was kind of filling me in before we started. So Jake, how's everything on your end? How you doing today, man? You're good. Um, thanks for having me. Love being here. Uh, today, um, it, it's funny. I was I was traveling, not last week, but the week before I was on vacation, like first vacation I've taken in years. And it was so nice. And so last week I was kind of in that like post-vacation mode where you kind of only are productive for like two hours a day, but you're trying, you're trying to work at least six a day. Um, and then Monday was Labor Day. I, uh, I worked most of the day and then I have to go to a wedding tomorrow uh, in Colorado. So I'm, I can't have any meetings tomorrow and Friday. It's Wednesday right now. So yesterday and today we're just like, I think I had 11 calls today and about 12 or 13 yesterday. So I'm tired, like sleepy, but uh, being on a podcast and honestly just like shooting the shit and, and talking energizes me. So uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm here and uh, weathering this hot summer heat wave that we're in right now. I was about to say, man, my manager was actually just up in New York for the, the weekend and for the Labor yeah. Day and everything like that. And she was just saying it was like in the 90s up there. And I was like, Dang, that sounds like down here in Tampa. Like I didn't yeah. the North was still getting hit that hard like that. But no, even after such a busy day, even after just the, the long schedule that you had ahead of you and then what you have kind of coming, well, one, congrats to the newlyweds. But two, I, I appreciate you coming on because I know how I can be after a day of just having things, calls, meetings emails, everything of the sort. Sometimes you just, your social media just gets drained. You just don't want to do anything. But the fact yeah. that you came here, you joined us on Down to Business, I feel special. So I know we're going to have some people tapping in from multiple sides, from my side, your side, and then we have my favorite, the, the newcomers, the people who are just finding out about the both of us. So to give everybody kind of an even playing field, a fair start, put everybody on the same page, can you, one, just tell us a little bit about yourself? And then can you, two, just tell us what brings you on the Down to Business podcast today? Yeah, totally. Um, it's funny, I, you know, I, I'm in New York and I, I grew up in New York and I've been, I think I've been in New York for like 21 years now total. Uh, I spent 
the better part of a decade on the West Coast as well. But so I, I'm in New York and I'm at networking events all the time. And you ask people and people ask you like, so what do you do? Like, who are you? What do you do? That's all they care about. And uh, so I started asking this question to people now. And it's a little weird, but like, who are you? Like, who are you, right? Like, really, who are you as a person? And so now when people ask me, like, what's up? What's your story? What do you do? I'm, I just start to answer it as if, who am I? Um, and I don't really have a good answer yet. I'm kind of working on it. So let's let's trial test this. I, uh, I'm super outdoorsy. And I love, I love action sports. And that's, that's a huge part of my, my story in that like, I grew up not the best skateboarder in the crew, but good enough to hang with the crew. But I was the one with the camera and you know, fell in love with YouTube, uh, fell in love with, with graphic design. I had like a torrented version of Photoshop as a kid. I used to um, sell custom art sneakers in high school. So it's just always this like entrepreneurial kid who loved to skate and loved to explore the world and loved to get into ch- trouble and loved to break the rules and loved creating content and telling stories and like playing, tinkering with videos and playing with new software. And like, I learned how to write HTML and CSS when I was 10 on MySpace. And first of all, no 10 year old should be on MySpace, but for whatever reason I, I was, I was. So I don't know what that really says about like who I am, but that's, that's kind of where all this stemmed from for me. Um, I started a, a marketing agency when I was 18 and I, I just moved from New York to Colorado. And, you know, like any, as you can imagine, an 18 year old starting a marketing agency, I made every mistake you could imagine, but um, learned a lot and worked with a lot of companies and really just found a niche and a, a massive, not even passion, but obsession for the startup world. Felt like these are my people. Finally, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting other folks like me who just like dream of how the world can be better one day and how they're going to change it and then doing things to go out and actually make that a reality. Um, so kind of found my tribe in the in the early stage startup scene. Um, built a startup, raised a little bit of money. It failed. Uh, I think I was like 21 when that happened. And then found myself, uh, you know, had, had a lot of life take place, you know, tough breakup and all that. And I was like 21 years old, 22. Uh, and I joined a, a startup studio. And for anyone listening who's not familiar with what a startup studio is, it's a venture capital fund that builds all of its own companies from scratch. So I got into venture. Like I was in VC for a while. And, and over the course of the next five, six years, I found myself becoming more and more of a finance guy. You know, I, I, I was in VC for a while. One of the companies that we incubated, and I had a very heavily involved role in co-founding, uh, we sold. So I had like an acquisition under my belt. Um, wrote a, a white paper that was the first white paper in the startup studio industry. And that white paper's kind of done its rounds and had, had many, many downloads at this point. Um, so, you know, and then I was like, I'm going to raise a fund and I'm going to do the whole VC thing. Spent, spent a lot of years doing that. And we're somewhere in the like tail end of COVID. Like I'd already gotten my vaccine and, but we're still in COVID life. And I woke up, literally woke up one day and I remember vividly sitting at my computer just being like, what am I doing? Like, I'm living in Excel. I have to wear like a nice button up shirt on every Zoom call. Um, and I'm trying to pitch pension funds and institutional. And I'm a finance bro. And I really, it's not who I am. It's not where I, who I am is I'm, I'm the marketing guy. I'm the storytelling guy. I'm the creative guy. I'm the very like type B all over the place, crazy thinker, right? Like that's just how I am. So I've spent the last, I'd say, year and a half kind of slowly trying to figure out how to make my next chapter come to life. And it's been a transition over to what I'm doing now. 
which uh, what I'm doing now, I, I would say is a really nice combination of my marketing world and like building and creating content and storytelling and all that. But then everything I've learned and seen and done in my half decade adventure informs a lot of it. So I run a company now called Thursday or Thursday Labs more formally, and we're like a content studio. So I work with tech founders and we basically run and build their entire content function to help them drive revenue. Uh, and then we're also now in the process of incubating our first company, really, which is a, a full-on media publication, um, treating it as like one of our clients, essentially, using the same model, but seeing what would it be like to build our own from scratch in addition to working with outside companies. So happy to get into all the nitty gritty on it. But um, yeah, I kind of travel all over, starting to create a lot more content myself these days. Um, I have a dog. Uh, I'm moving to Los Angeles pretty soon. And so by the time most folks will hear this episode, I'll probably already be there. But I'll continue to be traveling, and uh, I love I love to surf. I love to snowboard. I love jujitsu. I love building things. I love playing with cameras, uh, and I love hosting dinner parties. And that's me. That's who I am. Not that I wasn't listening to everything you were saying, but you got me at the dinner parties. Now I love I love a good dinner. I love to eat. But no, okay. So I hear a very adventurous, but a very deliberate life story here. I hear that, you know, there, there were a lot of things that came your way. There are a lot of things that you were probably doing that, like you said, you had to really ask yourself, what am I doing? Who am I? Yeah, yeah. What am I really trying to gain from this? Where do I really want to go from this? But ultimately, too, it, 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 I feel like it takes a certain type of person to, one, be able to do something that you don't necessarily want to do, or it's not your passion, or it's not your calling, per se, but to, one, stick that out and still some way navigate through that and find where you really want to be, what you really want to do, everything like that. As somebody who had to beg their parents to get a MySpace, I, I'm, I'm actually very jealous that you were good at what you did, because I remember back when, when MySpace was so popular and everybody wanted the slide and stuff coming across or the fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And a lot of us didn't really know where to start. We were Googling everything. It says if you input it like this, it's supposed to do this. Well, I'm inputting it exactly like it says, and it's not doing that. So we used to have to, there were one, one of my good friends, he actually just not solicited per se, but he would say, hey, you want your page done or you want it to look like this or that? Just throw me $10, $15, you know, and that would add up page after because they start looking at one page to the next. So the fact that you were into all of that, the HTML, the CSS, man, I'm jealous. And I feel like I could have made a lot of money had Jake had you somehow, some way came across my, my table. But sure. I love to hear that. So the first thing that I really want to touch on, and then we'll kind of dive a little bit deeper, is the company name itself. Why Thursday? Like, why I feel like Thursday is one of like a lot of people's favorite days of the week, like it's not that Friday, but it's that day where you're like, you're, you're moving through the week, you're past hump day. It's like, yeah. oh, we've made it through a good portion of the week. People start to go out on Thursdays, Thursday night football starts tomorrow. So it's just like, what was there any real reason in a rhyme behind why you called it Thursday Labs Thursday to most people? Yeah, there actually is a very like literal and technical story here that uh, it's not that exciting, but I'll, I'll share it. And, and I've had to, I've fallen in love with the name and learned how to make it really fun ever since. But I started this, it, it was technically a company, but more of a project um, right after college. And that was in 2017. And I would host a dinner party every Thursday night. So you start to see where that's going. So uh, I hosted dinner every Thursday and it, it totally evolved and became a thing over the years. And at first it was just like the interesting person's dinner. And there were many reasons why I did it. And over the years we hosted, I hosted like 200 some odd dinners all over the world. Because I did one overseas, so now I can say it was all over the world, um, but all over the country, really. And first, I went with the name Blue Plate. And for anyone who's unfamiliar, I, I didn't even know this. I was like browsing for food-related company names on the internet. 
the blue plate special, quote unquote, was like the term for the the chef's marquee special of the night in like the 80s and the 90s. So if it's like 1992 and you're walking down New York City, you'd see one of those like chalkboards outside a restaurant. It might say tonight's blue plate special is the Clams Casino or whatever. I was like, that's a good name for a company. I'll, I'll, I'll use the name Blue Plate. And so that kind of blew up for a while. I mean, we were hosting dinners all over. They, they became these secret underground uh, dinner parties for interesting people in, in the entrepreneurial world, in the creative world. So if you, and the only way to get into one was to get invited onto the text only invite list. So I was trying to build this like underground allure to dinners in New York City, and then it expanded to other cities. Um, when COVID hit, obviously I had to stop doing it as everyone became vaccinated and it was like winter of what, 2022, I guess. And, and I think that was the year. And uh, we started to go to restaurants again. I was like, I want to, I want to bring this back. I want to start bringing dinner parties back. But the problem was number one, a lot of the people, probably 70% of the people on my invite list were no longer in New York. So I had to kind of rebuild that from scratch. The, platform that I was using to send the text to everybody went out of business during COVID. So I had to move to a different platform and get a different phone number. And then some GDPR laws came out in the time being that said, I can't, you can't SMS market without somebody's opt-in. So long story short, I had all these technical reasons that I had to like relaunch and build more momentum and excitement to get people to want to come back. And so I thought with that, maybe a rebrand could be in order as well. And for whatever reason, the name Blue Plate felt too like bright and welcoming and I want it to be a lot more mysterious and, and, and uh, I don't know, just mysterious. And so I called it Thursday Club. And I thought that was like the word club was kind of hot. People were starting to break off into all these new like communities. I mean, Soho House is like a club. There's all these social clubs in New York. So Thursday Club. Um, and I, I, I launched that. The, the rebrand and the sort of relaunch of it didn't go that well. I think people were still more skeptical than I thought to go to dinner with a bunch of strangers in like a secret underground restaurant or like somebody's loft with a chef. Um, but I, I kept at it for a little bit and now we're getting into like t- January of 2023. So not that long ago. And I was ideating how I was going to launch this new company, which is the agency, uh, the content studio. And frankly, it is a basically a relaunch in and of itself of the agency I started a decade ago, which was called eyesight, like your eyesight, E-Y-E-S-I-G-H-T. So I had the LLC. I was like, I'm launching this new thing. I don't need to start a new LLC. I can just re-announce what I'm doing and build a new website and and rebrand it. But like, fuck, I'm the guy who just launches things all the time that don't go anywhere. I need to have some cohesiveness behind it. So the idea I had was, what if I launched Thursday Labs, which is kind of like the umbrella company to all of my projects, one of which being like Thursday Agency or just Thursday, and then the other being Thursday Club. And now since then, I mean, it's been like six months, the agency and the content studio that I described, which is one and the same, has totally taken off. Like it's now much bigger than the Thursday Club ever was. And so I don't, I don't know long term if like it's still going to be sort of this holding company over various Thursday related brands. But for now, I'm just sort of running with that name. And so now I have fun with it. Like every, every Thursday on a call, I'm like, hey, happy Thursday. I send a newsletter out called Happy Thursday. I'm launching content series called Happy Thursday. Um, we've had to kind of come up with little stories around how like, you know, don't wait for Friday. Like don't, don't live a life where you live for the weekends. Like, it's not so much about that. Um, 
Yeah, and then like everything you mentioned, there's just a good day of the week. And then it's like an easy to remember name that everyone can knows how to spell. And sure, there's some competitors out there. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, I don't really care. That's that's the long-winded story of the name Thursday. Well, hopefully the competitors are not other days of the week, just the same, because <laughs> we would probably trump a lot of those. But there's no, a few. I, I, <laughs> I love that. I, I used to be big on, like, I almost used to ask pretty much every guest that I had, like, the name, story, the origin, because everybody always has something, like, interesting or why it was tied to that. But, no, I, I love that a lot. And I love, just like you said, almost that that exclusivity or just, like, because I, I feel like that's when people really start to resonate with things. When they feel like it's not just open to everybody, it's not just something that anybody can walk in and do and be a part of, it makes people really resonate with it but not only that but sure. to experience it but want to immerse themselves in it one oh you're doing a membership oh you're doing this you're doing that oh you just did that the newsletter okay sign me up let's do everything let's encompass it all so one thank you for teaching me about the blue plate too though i did not know that at all so now I'm yeah gonna, yeah i gotta keep my my keen eye but that just goes to show how many how of an expertise he is at those dinner parties oh he was <laughs> a little something but yeah okay, so now i'm thinking about even in just speaking right now i've already understood your love for content, for content creation, for content, just everything, making, helping, everything like that. Now, I even read that you were um, just an entrepreneurial and you were fixing skateboards as young as eight years old. Yeah. Crazy. My family. Yeah. We got a letter in the mail that said uh, in my neighborhood that if I kept putting flyers in people's mailboxes, we'd get fined. My mom was really upset with me. She was like, yo, come on. He's eight. Like <laughs> he's just a little entrepreneurial kid. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, okay. Now, I, like I said, I, I know your love for content, for all things content creation. But I guess where my curiosity is kind of peaked at is why did you decide to brand yourself? Why did you decide to dedicate a whole entire company agency to this? Because what I'm hearing is that, you know, everybody has interests, passions, things that they love to do, things that they would just immerse themselves in. Like you said, surfing, snowboarding, action sports, everything like that. Well, yeah. for me, I know a lot of my passions, so I wouldn't ban, brand myself in that from a business perspective because it's one thing to love, but it's one thing for you to enjoy it. But I feel like once you encompass things from that entrepreneurial side, from that business side, you have to approach it just a little bit differently. There are times where you're not going to love it as much. There are times where you start to question yourself, doubt yourself. So how did you really come in into content creation really start? Was it because you already loved it? You, you started to help other people? Was it because you just wanted to make money from it? Where did really Thursday become a business idea for you? Yeah, it, it's a it's really a great question, and I, I don't think I have a very concise answer for you, but I can certainly point to maybe maybe a few ideas on this one. You know, yes, I'm a huge fan of like it's really important to separate things that you love just because you love to do them from the things that you love because it makes you money. Like I I love to surf, I love to snowboard, I love to do jujitsu, I love to do yoga. I love to ride my bike and I love to take road trips and drive. And I love my truck, but I will never do any of those things for money because it'll immediately ruin them for me. You know, I, I have a close friend and um, mentor, quite frankly, who used to be a pro snowboarder. And he told me that, you know, he snowboarded his whole life, obviously, grew up in Colorado. And then he was a pro for like two years and then he never snowboarded again. You see a lot with yoga. You said a lot with yoga teachers as well. You know, they, they practice yoga for a long time. They go to India and they do their yoga teacher training and then they become a teacher and then they just like stop doing yoga for themselves. Because once you assign money to it, it totally changes what you get out of it and why you're doing it. And now I remember actually very vividly, all, this happened a lot. I had a really hard time with this early on, but I was like 17, 18, 19 years old. And I was just getting started creating websites and brochures and pamphlets and postcards and whatever for clients. 
before that, I was an artist. Like I took AP studio art in high school. And I, like I said, I used to make custom van sneakers for people as a kid. And um, none of that was for money. That was all just because I loved to paint and I loved art. And I'd never get feedback on it. None, none of it was critiqued. It was just for me. And then as soon as I start making a website for somebody like on Squarespace in 2012, or I create them a pamphlet and they're like, this is great and all, but I absolutely hate the colors and I don't like the font and the words that you chose are terrible and blah, blah. And it's like, well, then it's not great at all. So, and, and I'd be like, but you're wrong. What do you know? Like you hired me to do this. And so it took me a while to learn how to one, like accept feedback as client feedback and, and separate it from like, this is not your art. This is your product. And if they're telling you it's not an ideal product. So, you know, right. Like separating art and product. So anyway, um, I think for me, just like creating content, um, I think I, and, and using, I should also mention actually more importantly, when I started this, like the word content wasn't a thing. That's a newer term. That's been a term for maybe like two or three years since TikTok and Instagram reels and all that. It's content. It's even spelled the same as content, like when you're complacent or content, right? And so back in the day, a decade ago or two decades ago, or even five years ago, it was, it was more about, um, I was creating marketing assets, right? And we were telling stories. It was largely about storytelling. And I've just always been a natural at that storytelling and creating marketing assets. Like that was my thing. And when I f realized I could make money off of it, first I was like, okay, this is cool. turns out now I'm a professional because you're getting paid to do a thing, but no one ever offered to pay me to surf or snowboard or, or do jujitsu with them. Cause I'm just a, I'm just a hobbyist. Um, I think I really just fell in love with like, this is my, this is my product, my process on how I, tell stories and craft stories, my process and how I create content and how I create marketing materials and assets. Like that's my product. That's what I sell. And then when I realized I can make a lot of money on this by building companies and brands that own that process and own that framework and then are scalable. And then I started to learn about entrepreneurship and, and finding a customer and finding their problem. And then I learned about venture capital and like, What's the ROI and what's the upside and the investing side of it? Just paired it all together. I'm just like, I'm really damn good at this. Um, am I the best in the world? No way. I'm not ever going to be the best in the world. I don't care to. I don't care to ever be the best in the world. What I do care about though is being the best in the world to work with. Like that's what keeps me going. And so I combine all those things, and it's like, well, that's that's why I do it. I mean, it's it's the one time. Let's say let's say I deliver ten projects for a client. And nine of them are like, they don't, they don't love them. But the one where they absolutely love it and it like totally turns their business around and has a massive ROI, complete, like I forget about the other nine. It's just that one that keeps me going. And by the way, our numbers are not that awful. It's the other way around. So um, yeah, I, I, I hope that answered your question. I know it was slightly long-winded long and, and kind of all over the place, but um, from a high level, that's it's just been the thing where I'm like, this is something I'm good at that the world needs that I can get paid for. I'm like, that's my thing. And I'm not going to try to find another one. It's always going to be my thing. And if it's a lifelong pursuit at being the best in the world to work with on those things, I'll be successful. I'm not worried about being the best in the world at what I do. I'm worried about being the best in the world to work with. Man, that's a, whoa, I love that one. I'm, I'm You know, I may have to change, you just changed my perspective and my scope on some things because like you said, that that impact and that just that valuable experience that somebody can have from, you know, they're 
anybody can remember a dope video. I, I've had, a, I've made a lot of them. I feel like, but everybody is always going to remember that one person that changed your world. That one interview. Totally. We're just like, you know, I still remember some of my most memorable interviews to this day, what they said, what they were wearing, what time of the day it was, what was going on in my life, everything like that. So no, yep. being, being personable, being authentic, being genuine, you know, it'll time and time again, you will continue to win. And it's, and it just, it's a plus when you're good at what you do. You know what I'm saying? Because you can, a lot of times we can go to people who may not be that top tier expert or may not be that, that one person, that top dog, the big, the big baller, but they can give you an experience unlike any other. And it's just like, wow, I don't want anything different because you go to that top dog and go to totally. that big baller. You're not even talking to them directly. Sometimes you're not even really totally. working with them directly. You don't always get the response that you get. And then once the money is sent, you're just a regular customer at that point. You know what totally. I'm saying? It's not really any follow-ups after that. Once the work is done, it's kind of done. But I've worked with people, you know, who follow up with me, send me recommendations, send people to me, send, ask me if I, you know, even discount services, everything like that, where you might, might not necessarily get that for your household names or these name brand type of companies. So I love totally. that approach to it just the same. Now, as you kind of spoke on, content being so new to to us, to, I feel like, you know, COVID definitely was the spark of whereas entrepreneurship always existed. Business ownership was always there. I feel like COVID was when it was just popping off. Entrepreneurs left and right. Business owners, podcasts. I started my podcast during COVID. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it was just yeah. like, wow, it, it's so much happening right now. So now with this newfound term, with this newfound, just, I guess, discovery in a sense, but there was so much out there, social media, uh, word of mouth, people doing their own things, courses, YouTube, Google, everything like that. Where did would you say coming into business, were you specifically trying to hone in on one thing? Were you worried about one particular site, one particular medium, one particular app? Now, I know you even mentioned, you know, you work with a lot of that in the tech space and things like that. But coming in where there was such a plethora of options, such a plethora of lanes to kind of go down. How did you kind of navigate as to where you wanted to focus things, who you wanted to help, how you really wanted to present yourself to your audience? Yeah. So I kind of drank my own Kool-Aid here on what I have been you know, being in the, the investor seat for X number of years and, and helping founders who are like, I've got this problem that I want to solve, but I don't necessarily know the right solution to that problem. Like, what would my advice be? And I, I would always give them pretty much the same advice. So I gave myself that advice, which was, well, first of all, it's great that you're focused on the problem first, like identify that problem, become obsessed with that problem, or rather become obsessed with solving that problem. And then pick a lane, like, take a guess, a hypothesis at how that solution, how that problem can be solved and go all in on that hypothesis while being very malleable and very awake and, and aware of how it's going so that you can augment and shift up your approach as needed. So in February, I met this guy at an event, uh, like a networking event. And I was in the middle of creating my new website for Thursday Labs and putting out my offering to the world. And I, I had my, the, the problem I wanted to solve was you have uh, seed and Series A stage startups. I couldn't really choose yet if it was B2B or B2C or both that were raising enormous amounts of money during the pandemic. Then they were spending enormous amounts of money on marketing and growth, most of which was on paid ads. And they were just throwing money at the wall, like literally just burning it. And 50% of every dollar was going to Facebook, Google, or Amazon for ads. And a year would go by or 18 months would go by and they'd spend 3 million bucks or 7 million bucks on all those ads and their team to create all those ads and the content for it without really having a strategy behind that. 
and they still wouldn't know who their customer is. They still wouldn't know their unit economics. And then they'd fail. And then the market crashed. And they didn't have the ability to raise all that money anymore. So obviously, they couldn't go spend two, three million dollars in a year or two to test. And for what it's worth, I was a CMO of a hot venture back tech startup for a year, six months of which were the height of the bull run, and then six months of which were as the market was crashing. And in those six months during the bull run, we did that. We just like spent money. And so the problem I wanted to solve was companies are spending way too much money on marketing and not learning enough about not getting real learnings that they can then go build a playbook around. So the solution I had in mind was I'll, I'll join these startups as their fractional CMO for six months, and I'm going to produce all their content. We're going to go 100% on organic content. I'm going to bring in a, an Emmy award-winning film crew in to produce this content. Uh, I'm going to bring a social media team with me to distribute the content, and we're going to spend as little money as possible on production and distribution and focus on organic to find how do we talk to each potential customer on each channel. And then we're going to build a playbook on the results. And then I'm going to go find that company ahead of marketing to take over what I was doing. And I'm going to hire them. And then they're going to stick around for the long haul. I'm going to kind of train them up on like how to run the playbooks that I was running. And so I met this guy at this event and he explained to me that that was exactly what he needed. I was like, great. Like, validated my hypothesis. So we signed a contract for six months and we did all that. And for the first like three months of it, I was just focused hundred percent on that one project. One, because I wanted to do a good job, but two, I also wanted to like build my own playbook and validate, really validate the hypothesis that I had, which was like, this is the model that I'm going to bring to lots and lots of companies. And then I start to figure out, well, how can I do this with four or six or 10 companies at a given time? And that was like the business I wanted to build to solve the problem that I mentioned. And then the next three months, I landed no more clients. So for six months, I had one client, which, and I talked to 28 companies in those three months, which all looked and sounded like great companies. And what I found out was like, there were just pieces of that model that they didn't actually want or need, and the pricing was off. So I had to then take a step back and like, re kind of jig this and figure out like, where am I missing the mark? Am I, I'm not this bad at sales. Like I've never been this terrible at sales in my life. Is it the market? Is it me? It's some combination of all of it, which led to our current iteration, which is like an abbreviated packaged version of everything I mentioned. I'm happy to share more about what that is, but I put that out to the world in just like a newsletter and put it on LinkedIn one day. And in 24 hours, I got 15 leads, which is half as many as I'd gotten in the last six months and closed four clients in a month. So we went from one client to five clients in one month with this new model. So that's just like a testament to that. That's the validation process is like, put something out there, try it, be all in on it. And like obsessed with solving the problem and obsessed with the customer so that you're willing and able to like change up your approach to solve the problem. Um, but don't let your ego get in the way and don't let your like, bank account goals get in the way of what you think it should be. And I was doing that. I got kind of caught in it. I was like, damn, I need to drink my own Kool-Aid again. Um, and so it, it really took me this time around about six months to like land on the model. And is this going to be the model for the long haul? No, absolutely not. But at least for now, this is what's working. And we're just going to keep running this until we get to the next plateau or inflection point. Try it again. Just like keep, keep, keep evolving, keep editing the model.
I'm going to I feel like that was such a loaded answer, loaded with gems in a sense from you talking about just adjustments that have to come. Ego, yeah. drinking the own cooler, you know, because I while I'm a firm believer in just knowing your own worth, don't sell yourself short. I do also believe on the back end that when the customer is speaking to you, when your audience is speaking to you and providing you feedback, right, wrong or indifferent, you, you, you take you take heed to that. You, you're a team of yeah. because you yeah. know, while some things may not just work for people, you may just not be everyone's cup of tea. That's perfectly fine. Sure. If you get a lot of negative or if you get a lot of people saying, hey, change this or change that, you know, it's not really a knock on you. It's more so just saying, hey, just make some adjustments. Or if you do this, this could happen. Or, you know, but sometimes I feel like we get so we take things so personal or we know just how hard we go for our brand for Thursday Lab, Down the Business Podcast, Blue Plate, anything like that. We just know how so hard we go for that, that anybody who's telling us anything outside of that, it's like noise. I don't want to hear it. It's going in one ear, out the other. But a lot of yeah. times, and something why I'm so big on feedback is because you're getting it from people who aren't thoroughly immersed in it. You're getting it from people who may come in from time to time, who may just need one, like you said, one particular piece of a model. They may not need the whole model. Let me just take that that third of it or that half of it or that quarter of it, you know? And a lot of times I feel like with us, we kind of have this all or nothing mentality. It's just like, you're, you're either going to get this whole experience with me or you're not going to get anything. And I feel like, like you said, that can be selfish. That can be an ego check. That can be us having to withdraw and take a step back because who knows, like you said, to, to think that you can just come into business and just keep the same model through and through, through a pandemic, through social media, through AI, through, yeah. through things rebranded. We look at companies rebrand all the time. Look at Twitter, look at Instagram, look at threads, look at reels, look at TikTok. Look at YouTube now with the shorts. Look at look at Google. It's so many things out here, you know, and there's so many other things that we used to use that we we're not even that are not even really prevalent because they haven't changed or because it's just like, hey, they, this is the same thing the last time I used it or last time I logged in. So, but I'm also so much of a firm believer, and I've talked to so many different companies who I talked to a guy who was in business for 53 different for 50. He came into business 53 years ago, excuse me, and he was basically just saying how when they came in, social media was non-existent. It was not. It was there was nothing, you know. So now he's not going to say that, oh, because I was able to be successful without social media, that now that social media is becoming prevalent, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm tapped out of that. So why would I dive into that? No, it's because, because you're going to have a lot of clients, a lot of people telling you, hey, old man, you got to get with times or like, what's going on? Or like, what are you doing? Or like, why? Yeah. You, know, da, da, da. you know, even with he was even able to say that even with COVID, he had to make some shifts. Like you said, even with you, you, you came back and a lot of people had relocated. You came back in the same SMS program that you were using. It, it was no longer valid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, but had you just said, OK, well, SMS was my route. If I, if I can't do it that way, I'm not doing it at all. Well, that, that that could have impacted Thursday heavily. You know what I'm saying? So I love that you said that. And I love that you touched on that in that perspective, because it's so important for my business owners, for my entrepreneurs, my startups, founders, organizational leaders, everything like that to understand change is good. Change is needed. Change. You know, you have to take those quarterly reflections, those yearly reflections, those semi-annual reflections, everything. But another point that I love you touched on was ads, because ads make me think about misconceptions. And I, because I've talked to so many people who all are, are all for ads. They love it. It helps. It does what it has to do, whatever, whatever. I've talked to people who don't know how to work an ad, so they feel like, okay, I, I, I don't see any results from this. It's not working. I put some money out. It didn't do what they said they were going to do, whatever, whatever. And then I've talked to people who really don't know where to start, so they're not going to dive into it. They're just like, okay, I've been having success without it. Why? If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. But this kind of makes me also beg the question with you, what are some misconceptions around content creation? I, I could imagine that, you know, as somebody who studied 
communication and journalism. And then I got my master's in broadcast and digital journalism. Storytelling is like an art. It's like something that you just you either have it or you don't. But the ability to storytell, man, it will take you it will put you decades, light years ahead of things. You know, especially with content. So with you, with how long you've been doing what you do, what are really some misconceptions that you've kind of come across when it comes to content creation? Is it anything about ads? Is it just that people feel like they don't need to be on all these social media sites? Is it that people don't feel like they need to post all the time? Is it just that, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty sure you've come across clients who you really talk to them and they may not have an idea what an algorithm is. They may, they may not have an idea about hashtags or SEO or anything like that. So what are some just some commonalities or some things that you've noticed across the board that companies are experiencing and problems that they're facing? There's so many. I mean, even like the quick examples you gave are all true and relevant. Um, there's two that really come to mind that are most prevalent in my day to day and are actually they were objections that I was getting in my sales process a lot. And I'm a big fan of like, take your biggest weaknesses and just storytell your way into them becoming your biggest strengths. <laughs> so those two are number one, and I'll, I'll share what they each are, and then I'll break them each down very briefly. Number one, B2B founders, tech founders, don't think that they should be putting out content on TikTok and Instagram, especially, but then are uh, more also dubious and weary of Twitter and LinkedIn. They know that's where they should be, but are like, weary to do it. And the former, which is like, they shouldn't be on TikTok and Instagram could not be more of a misconception, in my opinion, and from my viewpoint, and I'll, I'll break that down in a moment. And the second thing that I notice a lot is um, how do I explain this simply? So, well, you know what, we'll put that one on ice, and I'll come back to it, because I'm kind of forgetting half of it. So let's, let's just break down. Um, it's funny how that always happens when we're on the air, right? Uh, we'll break down like the misconception of, of B2B founders feeling like they don't need to be on TikTok and Instagram. So B2B companies, the majority of which, from my perspective, and I assume from anyone else's perspective, they have, they have terrible branding and marketing. Like their websites aren't well designed. You have no idea what they do when you go to their website. And that all sucks. And that's because of a few reasons. Number one, like they don't have great marketers in place. They don't have great storytellers in place. They think that they're the customer, so they just talk to themselves. But like they know 20,000x more than the customer really does about the space. So it just doesn't work. But what they're really missing out on, from my perspective, is they're not telling a story. And that's all consumers want is a story. It doesn't matter if you're selling some AI software to HR representatives or you're selling medical devices to people who buy them from host for hospitals, like whatever you're selling B2B, tell a story. And at the end of the day as well, just as much in the consumer markets, B2C, you're selling to a human. And the person who makes the decision and has to get the decision approved are humans. And the people that are selling that product are humans. And what are those humans doing at night when they're laying in bed? Well, they're thinking about their anxieties like humans do. They're scrolling through TikTok like humans do or Instagram. They're reading their emails. They're jumping back and forth between their dating apps and their emails and their Twitter feed and their text messages and then back to their Twitter feed and then over to TikTok and Instagram until their eyes start to shut and they go to sleep. Or they're reading a book and like, God bless if that's what they're doing. But then when they wake up in the morning and they're watching their coffee brew, they're doing that on their phone. So this is just what humans do. And when they're laying in bed at night, it's not like they're not thinking about work. 
they're probably thinking about work just as much as when they were at work because that's when they think about all the ang their anxieties and work is really hard. Oh, and also, by the way, I don't know the exact data or numbers on it. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's something like 40% of TikTok's usage is from people during the workday. While they're supposed to be working, they're on TikTok. No, obviously, like this is so common sense. So if you're not, if you're a B2B company, I think the opportunity really is to turn your founder or your, your, the face of your company into a character and write a story, a hero's journey story about their life or all the problems and tribulations and quests that they need to encounter to go from, well, I had this problem and then I used this product and now it's solved and make it relatable, make it funny, make it entertaining, make it inspirational, make it educational, whatever format we need to use to reach human to human. Well, then when they're in their office the next morning and thinking about buying some HR software or buying a medical device or whatever it is, like they're going to be remembered about how you made them feel because you're a human. And so bottom line is we have a strategy and a whole product and process on how do we take like some non-sexy technical B2B product and turn it into this like gorgeous thing that people want to be a part of the story of, of this brand. It's an actual brand and a journey, not just a product. And then a purchase is made so much easier. And so, you know, we, we see like 5X ROI, 500% growth, 1000% growth in no time once this starts to stick. And that's after like two, three months, this is the, this is what's working. So that's, and I, I, I stumbled upon that in my last company when I was a CMO. And I was really curious about it before that role when I was in venture with all our portfolio companies, so much so that I was like, I'm gonna build a whole company around this. Like this is what's working. And so that that was the genesis of Thursday Labs, not to keep bringing it back to Thursday, but um, I mean, that misconception has become our entire business model, our entire opportunity here. And it's, it's huge, it's huge. And I'm sure that even in, revealing that to people you've opened so many different eyes people have probably had aha moments you just saw that light bulb just go above people's heads because it's just like they're not what's sometimes they say common sense ain't so common until it's really just you know until it's really just laid out for you and you yeah. know while to you that's just a simple thing simple concept just like yo content you need it tiktok everybody's on it they're doing it they're scrolling tiktok is it, it's its own app because it, it low-key scrolls for you once the video is done it's pushing up the next one so it's already knowing like it's already kind of predicting that but yeah. Other people, to people who are not so tech savvy or the people who kind of came into, as I was saying, like to business 53 years ago or everything like that, a TikTok to them is probably just like the most obscene, obscure, just wow, I cannot get with the times type of concept, you know, but I love that. And no, I love that you keep tying it to Thursday because that's the relevance behind it all. It's, it's you know, that you had this love, you had this passion, you had this interest, hobbyist, as you want to call it, anything like that. But also you were, you know. You were taking real life experiences. You were taking real life conversations and saying, okay, how can I build upon this? How can I improve upon this? What foundation can I lay to eliminate all of that? And I think that that is so, you know, it's so crucial. It's so important. So now you, you touched on it kind of earlier, just about like competitors and things like that. But what I, what I'm more so curious about is I know that we have a lot of content creation out there, content creators, influencers, everything of the sort, companies, B2B, B2C, tech space, startups, everything like that. I know that a lot of these companies have their own MO. I know that a lot of these companies bring in outside people, anything of the sort. I know that a lot of these people may think that they're fine and just whatever their kind of blueprint or their, you know, track record has been working thus far. But I'm more so very curious as to what can a person, what can a startup, what can a founder, entrepreneur expect 
with an experience with Thursday Labs because something I'm going to do right now, um, because I'm actually kind of uh, upset that I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I was on your website and there was yeah. a word, there was a phrase that really caught my eye that I really just love so much. So give me oh, a second. Cool. Thanks. I'm just going to pull it up. Yeah. So it basically I was scrolling and it said from unknown to unforgettable. I love, I love that. That might be the name of this. Ep- Honestly, it's going to be the name of this episode because I, <laughs> That when I was scrolling, I said, no, that's the one where I wanted to tweet it. You know what I'm saying? So Thanks. I still might tweet. It. I'll give you all some credit. But I, I, um, I have to credit a new friend, Isaac, for writing that line. That was not that was not a Jake Hurwitz original. That was an well, shout, out to, shout out to Isaac, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you have him on the team. But um, I, I want to know that. I want to know how you can even take companies from nobody knows about them. When you Google them, they're not on any of the page lists or anything. Yeah. You yeah. Your social media, you can't see anything. But now. They, they came under Thursday Labs, like you said, something clicked and stuck in two to three months, and now they're everywhere. Word of yeah. mouth, social media, everything like that. So what is an experience really like with Jake, with the team, with Thursday in general? What can we expect? Yeah, totally. Um, I'll start with sharing like why it's so important um, to go from unknown to unforgettable. Like uh, It's pretty common sense at the top of the line, but there's a, there's a deeper reason behind this that I think is really important. And then I'll share like what the, the offering is and the experience. So... I'll use some examples to tell this story. Um, Bernie Madoff's like a decent example, even though that's a, it's a crazy example. And Grant Cardone, the real estate guy, also a good example here. Now, Grant Cardone is actually not the best real estate investor in the world. He's actually not even close to the best real estate investor in the world based off of ROI. But he's the most well-known by far. You think about Right off the top of your head, think about who, real estate investor, Grant Cardone, because he's everywhere all the time and has been forever. Gary Vee, not the best social media marketer, not the best agency in the world from a return standpoint. I don't have a look into their books, but like this has been said. Sequoia, the number one fund that everybody wants to raise money from, does not have the highest IRR. They're just the most well-known and well-respected for whatever reason. Bernie Madoff, like, was he the best financial advisor and wealth manager in the world? Absolutely not. He just was the best at ma- making people feel like he was. And this goes back to what I said before. It's about being the best to work with. Now, I am definitely not saying that I want to be like Bernie Madoff or anybody here should be like Bernie Madoff, but I think there's an important page to take out of the book from, from Grant Cardone, from Gary Vee, from Sequoia, from Bernie Madoff. I mean, folks like this, they're fantastic marketers. They have figured out a way to make people feel like they're the best because people don't buy from and invest with people that they believe are the best. They buy from and invest with people that they feel like they're the best. The people that allow them to sleep the best at night knowing that like that person's managing my money, that person's selling me life insurance, that person's my lawyer. I It's just so I can feel like I'm the most taken care of. And that's all it is. So Look at the Grant Cardones and the Gary V's of the world. They have, for many, many years, very consistently put out enormous amounts of content, probably at this point, hundreds of thousands of hours, if not millions of hours of content on every channel, every day, in every format. And they keep trying new things and recycling old things that have worked in new ways. And they just keep at it as a long-term thing. It's the equivalent of living a very active lifestyle your whole life and constantly eating healthy, constantly working out, not giving a crap about the latest fad diet or whatever it is. It's just this long-term game and everyone 
can agree that if they invest in a long-term lifestyle of health and wellness, you're going to have amazing results. It's guaranteed. It's the same thing with content. So with Thursday Labs, I said that to our clients. I'm like, you might be, let, let's take, I'll take an example of one of my clients, like I'm not going to share any names, but um, a platform that uh, enables, uh, you know, loyalty for e-commerce companies. Like they can, they can plug in their tool for um, whatever it is. It's like an e-commerce related tool. We've got another tool that's in the event hospitality space, another tool that is um, in the real estate content space, whatever it might be. These are great tools. They're probably the best tools on the market, but no one knows about them. So they're not really doing any good. It's actually a disservice to the market if there's another tool that's a competitor that's not as good, or there's, you know, you're a, let's say you're a, lo- a lawyer. Actually, I'm going to use a more aggressive example. Let's say you're a cancer doctor and you're actually the best cancer doctor in the world for this specific type of cancer. And you're going to save the lives. You, you have the ability to save the lives of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of children with cancer. But you're shy and you're not getting your name out there and you're not marketing yourself and no one really knows about you. But the next doctor across the street who's not as good of a doctor is very good at marketing and getting their name out there and everyone goes to that doctor because they see them on tiktok they read their newsletter they see their face on the billboards they freaking love this doctor but they're not as good and now you've got a bunch of kids dying that's the that's on the first doctor that's their responsibility it's irresponsible to not be getting their story out there so that's kind of like why i think it's so important that People are creating content, especially B2B founders. You have a great tool, truly amazing engineering, amazing solution. You solve a huge problem. You're saving people tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in many, many hours. It's irresponsible to not get your story out there. So what do we do with them? I sign on with clients to start for four months and that's by design. And the first month we dig in very deeply to understand their strategy and who they're trying to reach and their customer and all this stuff. And in that time, we basically build all the foundation for them to produce a podcast. And these are video first podcasts. And I I don't really care so much about people listening to the full length podcast or watching the whole episodes every week, but I care about all the stuff that the podcast creates or we're able to create from the podcast. So here's what we do. Uh, in the first month, we're like, what are we going to create here? We, we build a new blog page. We, we build the assets and the creative logo and everything for the podcast and the intro sequence and all this. We figure out who are, what are our topics going to be and who are we going to interview? And then for the next three months, I ask the CEO or the face of the brand to show up for one hour a week. That's it. And I'm going to help them build an at-home podcast studio. And I'm going to coach them on being an amazing podcast host. And you just have to show up for one hour a week to do your episode. And me and my team will find your guests and book them for you and prep them. We'll get them to show up. We will take the full episodes and edit them. We will cut out all the short form clips. And I've got an Emmy award winning uh, production crew that edits those clips to be highly edited, almost like little 30 second documentaries, um, more than just the like subtitles and transitions. They're like really highly edited. And I've got them all over our website. You can see as well. And we write a blog every week for you. And we write a newsletter every week for you. And then we'll post all that content every day on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube Shorts, Spotify, Apple. uh, What am I missing? Threads. The list goes on. So 11 channels. So over the course of four months, you get 12 full-length episodes, about 150 pieces of content 
across 11 channels. And that's so that number one, you can be everywhere all the time. And I think I have that line on the website. The goal is to go from unknown to unforgettable. And you'll start hearing that from like your in-laws or your friends at bachelor parties, or, you know, you go to a barbecue and that after a, a week of this, you'll be like, Hey, I've been seeing your content lately. It's so cool. Makes you feel good. I had a client um, get recognized by a bouncer at a nightclub after the first episode we put out. And the bouncer was like, yo, I saw your podcast the other day. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, I saw it on TikTok. Come in, skip the line. Let him skip the VIP line to get into the nightclub. It was like super random. And I loved waking up to that text the next morning. I was dead asleep when it happened. I, like that was the funniest win we've seen from a podcast. Um, every week we are reporting on, uh, it's the weekly report. What did we do this week? What did we spend? What's our expected result? Um, now, can I actually guarantee ROI on this and, and tell you exactly what the results are going to be? First of all, no, every company is different. They all have a different sales cycle and different pricing, different margins and all that. Um, I'd be foolish to say this is what you should expect from an ROI standpoint. What I'm really saying here is we're the probably, I, I can't say for sure if I'm the only agency in the world that's going to lean into ROI, but damn, I've not seen or met any other agencies that lean into ROI much at all let alone as much as we do. And that's all it is, is that ROI is top of mind for us. We will never write one word or post one video or put out anything that we don't feel has a high likelihood of bringing back more money than we, we spent. And so um, this is ROI first, this is story first, and it's largely about using those three months to build the playbook, see what works, try a bunch of things. We might learn after two months that Instagram is actually a really bad place for us. Fate will stop Instagram. But then we learned that the newsletter is like freaking blowing up. We're getting an 80% open rate every week. We need to double down on that. So we tweak the strategy and we embed in with the marketing team if there is one and whatever, whoever else is needed on each team to help them take everything that we're learning, everything that we're doing long-term. Why do we do all this? All those reasons I mentioned, but most importantly, all these founders know and feel that, that they want to be unforgettable. They, sh they know they need to be producing all this content every day, putting it on all these channels every day. They've heard Gary Vee and Grit Cardone tell them that for years, but where do you start? And which tools do I use? And what time of day should I be posting? And what hashtags do I use? And oh my God, this new AI tool just came out, GPT this, like an AI that. I can't even keep up with this. I'm like, great, don't. Don't even think about it. Just show up one hour a week. We got you. We'll, and if a new tool comes out that's gonna totally augment everything, We'll be the first to find out and know exactly how to use it and we'll bake it into the workflow. So everyone's got like a car guy or a, a legal guy or an accounting guy or like a doctor, like the person they trust. I'm the content guy. Like I'm the guy, it's your content guy. That's what, that's what we're here for. That's what people can expect from working with us. I love that, man. Cause I hear, I, I obviously I've heard authenticity since we started, but I hear intentionality behind it. And yet again, I, I feel like it went over some people's heads, but you proved your point again about tweaking strategies about adjusting, yeah. adjust, because you said it yourself. You said that, okay, you're not one, you're not approaching every client with the same game plan. And even if yeah. it's like- It takes us a month for every client, a whole month just to figure out that game plan. To figure out what you want to do. And then from there, you may even start to figure, you may implement it. And then from there, you'll notice, like you said, oh, well, Instagram is not working at all. Let's cut that out. 
but look at the newsletter. The newsletter is booming. Okay, let's put some more emphasis. I, I love that just because it's just like, you know, everybody can scroll the website, can look at the testimonials, can look at what you do. And whether they're impressed or not impressed, they can kind of just already start to make assumptions that, oh, well, this is what he's going to do for me. He's going to come in here. He's going to do what he, exactly what he did for them. He's going to show them that, do whatever. Because I was, I, I started to kind of take that approach because at one point the podcast was getting so many emails from the same people just about, you know, hey, you want to, you want to monetize, you want to, boost these views. You want to get some sponsors and everything like that. It was to the point where some people were already on my YouTube channel. They were taking my videos and making shorts out of them already and just sending them to me and saying, hey, this is what we can do for you. But as I started to click through each video, it's the same thing. It's the the captions in the middle. It's the yellow and green captions, say like little this, emojis or downtown. And then you'll get a pan view of like a downtown area, like something like that. And then they'll say like, you know, they'll, they'll throw the fast food in and you'll see a McDonald's or something. like. And, and it was just like, wow, like where, like granted, this is very, you know, it's creative in a sense. But where's the originality here? I've gotten six emails from the same people and they all look the same. Maybe the yeah. maybe the font was a different color. Maybe it was a different size. Maybe he had a transition here instead of that. But it was just like, where's the real authenticity behind this? Rather than me. So every time, you know, I replied and said the same thing. Well, right now we're just focused on keeping everything in house. Um, thank you for the opportunity, but no thank. Yeah. In house is just me though. People don't realize that. Like I, you know, I started this back in 2019. I'm every. I'm I'm everything. The, the, the newsletter person, the, the reach out person, the booking person, the social media person, you know, everything like that. You still have to, because I, I just felt like until I could really, one, I feel like these companies, you know, they're not going to go as hard for your brand as you're going to go. You know, they're just going to do what they do. They're going to promote to you. They're going to market to you. And hopefully they, they snag somebody. They're sending these emails to everybody, to everybody. And I wish totally. I had some friends, more friends in the podcast space because they probably get some similar ones just the same. But it was also just a thing of as I started to talk to more people, I could tell when some people were just looking for another client, looking for another check, looking for another contract. You know what I'm saying? Versus oh, yeah. People who really wanted to talk to you, to figure out, to say, hey, like, I love what I do. Whether you succeed or you fail or you use me or you don't use me, I'm still going to love what I do. You know what I'm saying? So, And those are the type of people that I want to talk to because it's just like, hey, bro, I'm good with or without you. But if you decide to take me with you, here's what I'm going to do for you. But I'm, but I also, I love those people because they force you to commit just the same and not even really a force. They just put the ball in your court. They say, Hey, I want this. Here's what I need you to do, but I need you to do it. Yes. I, I need you to lay out your problem. I need you to lay out what you're doing now, figure out what you're doing now, put the ego to the side for a second and just really talk to me, really listen. Because at the end of the day, like you have to realize, like I said, whether you take my service, take my product, do what I do, I'm still going to, you know, like you said, you, you, you made some changes and you got five clients. You went from having one to now you just secure four more, five more. And it was just like, okay, I'm good. You know, we had to tweak a little bit of things on our end and just make some things shake. But for some people, you know, I can't, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as somebody trying to, you know, market myself, provide my business, my service, my products, I can't want it more than you. I should want it equally as you, or you should want it way more than me to the point that you're, you know, following up with me, holding me accountable because I'm already going to do that. But if I get totally. the same energy and that same pull from you, oh, I love that. I, I need all of that. So I really love what y'all are doing at Thursday. And I really just even see y'all in a lane of your own because of just the intentionality behind it, because of the authenticity behind it, because of the timeline that you're working with these clients. You're not worried about bringing in book hoops, amount of clients. Book, no, you're worried about taking the four or five, five to 10 and being so strategic, so instrumental with them that the results is eons. Because what does that do for you from there? You can take a hundred clients, do what you do right them whatever, whatever it happens, you get some testimonials, whatever, but you can take those 10 strong, confident, approved clients 
They're giving you testimonials. They're giving you word of mouth. They're coming back to you for this. They're asking questions. They're following up with you. They're, they're taking the model, but they're implementing it. But then these are lifelong clients. Whereas you just went through a hundred people and you were just like, you know, okay, I did what I had yeah. to do. Blueprint, 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 blueprint. That's, that's easy work, you know? So I love to hear this. Now, before we get into like where people can find you, where they can tap in with you, everything like that, the arguably one of the most important parts of the interview. Do you feel like there's any, oh, no, 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 no. I wanted to ask this question because I'm so interested in just the future of things. So if you think about five to 10 years ago, we can think about like some some social media sites that we're using now didn't even exist. Threads wasn't a thing. Meta wasn't a thing. I didn't think TikTok was a thing probably five, 10 years ago. I highly doubt it. But um, these these were changes that were made. Shorts were not a thing. Reels, everything of the sort. I remember IGTV. I remember when I used to post my full episodes of the podcast, sixty minutes, the whole thing. Now I can't post more than nine fifty nine. If it's over ten, it's, it's not happening. So, thinking about you as somebody who has been in the content creation space for so long, and just the love and the passion that you have for it, if you could, or if you were asked to predict, I would say the future outlook of social media, the future outlook of content creation. What do you think that looks like? Do you think more sites? are going to continue to develop? Do you think the competition is just going to become a little bit stiffer? Because I'm not going to lie, like somebody, I've, I've read a lot of posts, a lot of great points where the sites are really competing with each other. And it took me really having to get on each of these sites. Like I'm not on threads, but I'm on TikTok. I'm on everything else. And I really see that these are so similar from the shorts to the reels, to the TV, to everything like that. Do you foresee this continuing to happen? Do you foresee like a site just kind of taking precedent? Do you foresee content creation kind of evolving in any aspect or anything for for what you do, especially with Thursday? Yeah. Um, I'll start by saying like anyone who tells you what's going to happen in the future is a liar. Like, uh, I don't know. I have no, <laughs> no idea. I have, I have some predictions that I'm kind of, uh, as a former and sort of still member of the venture community, I always have to like think about what's ahead and, and place bets and, and like develop theses and philosophies and live off of them. And then it's my job to go convince the rest of the world that I was right. It's the entrepreneur's job. I think a couple of things that we're starting to already see now. Uh, trend number one is like, I think content is just going to keep stacking, like more and more minutes uploaded by the day. We're, at, we're already at billions and billions of minutes of content uploaded every day across a handful of channels. That's going to keep happening. Um, algorithms will get better at, at targeting. And like TikTok was kind of the eye opener to that, that now... You can find really niche communities of your tribe. Um, And so I think what we're going to see is more highly, highly, highly niche and more technical and specific media properties and brands and companies popping up and doubling down on high value, high priority, small audience approaches. I'll give an example. Let's say there's there's let's look at the like protein supplement market, protein powder. I, I like to use this example a lot because it's pretty straightforward. We've got a million new protein powders that pop up every day. And then we're gonna see the same thing in consumer and B2B, but this is a consumer example. Million new protein powders that pop up every day, and they all tell a slightly different story. Like this one's gonna help you build muscle faster. This one's gonna help you increase testosterone faster. This one's gonna help you lose weight. This one's gonna help you get laid. This one's gonna help you like sleep better at night, whatever it is. They're all just like basic one level benefit. Like this is the, this is the main benefit we're going to speak to and speak to the benefit, not the features. And it's like, and we use creatine or we use pea protein or whatever it is. That's what's going on now. So whether I'm a 
28 year old male or a 37 year old female or a 16 year old boy who wants to start lifting for the first time, like whatever it is, they're, they're speaking to all those people. I think that's the mistake. And this is where things are going to start to change. So what I think we're going to start to see soon is brands like, uh, I don't even come up with like a name. Let's call it Rebirth. This brand is called Rebirth Protein. I just thought of that off the top of my head. Rebirth Protein is for men between the ages of 42 and 48 who got divorced in the last year, who are recently starting to get back into the dating scene. They want to rebuild their confidence. They're starting to hit the gym again. And a big part of building your confidence as a man is to build your body first and get fit. And Rebirth Protein is the fastest way to get you there. Now, how many men that in the US alone do you think fit that demographic right now? Quite a few, at least probably 10,000, maybe like a million people. And that protein can be $150 a box that'll last you two months. And so if I'm that guy and I'm like, all right, well, do I want to spend the 150 for the next two, three months on this protein? Or do I want to spend the like 85 on just some generic protein that's like for everybody? Like, I'm going to spend the 150 on the one that they, they really get me. They really understand me. And now Rebirth Protein, goldmine of content opportunities. You can put out a podcast interviewing dating coaches and fitness trainers and men who like got through their divorce. And you can talk about divorce lawyers and you can talk about splitting up assets and you can talk about entering the dating scene again. You can talk about, of course, fitness and working out. But Instead of just talking about protein and health and wellness all the time, now you can talk about the various dimensions of your brand, the divorce part, the dating part, the confidence part, the masculinity part, the weight loss part, the sex part, all the different dimensions, like a plethora of content options. So I think we're going to see literally infinite, like there are infinite opportunities of these combinations of communities and themes coming together to match a brand. And who better than like real authentic people who go through these experiences to then take their real experiences, teach others how they got through them and build brands around it. And you'll see these little small communities forming for all of these little niches. We're already seeing that on Reddit. We're already seeing that on Discord and then sell them products that like match that person. It's great because then think about Rebirth Protein. First, we sold them protein supplements. Well, next we can sell them we can recommend them a specific lawyer who specializes in divorce law or a dating app for like people in their late forties who are back to the dating scene. Like so many things that can then be added on and partnered with. So long story short, I, I ranted on that because I really freaking believe in this. And actually one of the projects, the one we're incubating right now is like under that thesis of like highly niche, highly technical content for a very, very specific type of person that will spend a lot of money on this specific content because they can't get it anywhere else. It's so underserved. I, I think that's where we're going. And we're already seeing success with it. Like we 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 wrote the pre-launch post on LinkedIn. One post. Hey, everyone, we're launching this publication in a month. There's nothing else you can do for a month except for subscribe right now to be one of the first subscribers. We had 300 people subscribe in like two hours. And I'm like, the entire market is a thousand people. And we had a third of them subscribe without even ever having to see any content. All I had to do was write one LinkedIn post and create a type form for them to subscribe. Like one example. So that's where I think things are going. And I'm starting, it's still a bit early for this. I, I don't know if I'm going to be right or completely wrong. I don't know if we're going to like 
identify it or that's just kind of what we naturally merge into or not, but starting to take all our clients' brands and think, think in that way. It's how we stand out and start to produce their content, it, it, telling those types of stories. I like that. I, I definitely do think, yeah, yeah I, I do think we are moving towards a world of intentionality and just really specific, really niche, really. Because even now, like, I feel like a lot of these products are very specific. Like, I'll read certain things or certain requirements or just who this is for. I'm just like, wow, like, that may not necessarily serve me, but that's that's very inclusive of like one sector of a community. That's very interesting. So, um, yeah, you yeah. know, we're, we're definitely going to do some follow ups now. I'm definitely keeping my, my radar open and everything because, I, you know, I have to. We got to listen to the expert in this case. y'all. We got to. Like he said, he said he's not the best. He's not really focused on being the best at what he does. He's focused on being the best to work with. But I also do feel like, you know, in scrolling the website and looking at the content and everything like that. He does an amazing job at what he does from unknown to unforgettable. I'm never going to forget that now. So before we wrap up, before we close out, I just want to ask you, you know, do you have any last words for the business owners, the entrepreneurs, the tech starters, the organizational leaders out there? Do you feel like there's anything we have not touched on today even that you want to leave the people with for everyone who will be tapping in and coming across this episode? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a million things. I was actually thinking about it this week and planning out a lot of personal content for my own TikTok channel, which um, I've got the first set of videos on this new approach that I'm filming tomorrow at 5 a.m. in the Delta Sky Lounge at LaGuardia Airport. So anyway, and I was like, how do I want to finish all these videos? And I am basing it off of seeking inspiration from this guy I follow on TikTok. Um, I don't know his real name, actually, but his account is Beach Cowboy. He's a... Uh, I think he's around my age, like late 20s or mid 20s or whatever, surfer in Southern California. And he's just like cool kid who is on a journey to become a pro surfer. And he's like, at the end of every video or many of his videos, he, some are like tips on surf gear or like how to do a carve perfectly or whatever it is. I love this kid. And he ends every video with, and get out there and go rip. And it's like, I finish every video. I'm like, all right, I want to go out and go surf right now. It just like got me excited to go surf. So I think my version of that is like, get out there and go build, like get out there and go build. It's not as, it's not as exciting as his. And maybe I need to like have a different tone of voice, but shit, man, like whatever building means for you as an entrepreneur, you know, anybody listening here, like that means building a family or building a company or building like your way out of a really rough couple of years for whatever might be going on just to be like kind of deep and inspirational for a second. Like, just like, man, turn up, put your phone away, like turn off this video and go build. That's what we were here for. Not to sit around and consume, not to sit around and complain, like go build whatever it is. And it'll lead to the next thing. Go build. That's all I have to say. Get out there and go build, man. I, I, I love that. That's better than what I would say. I would just say get down to business. That's very cliche. So um, I, no, that's a good one too. But hey, I love that. Get out there and go rip. I think that takes the cake for all of them. I like yeah, the yeah. Beach Cowboy. That's a very, just the name alone. With a, he would Beach Cowboy. I know. Me. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I need to know. But okay, I know. Jake, hey, look, man, I really got to take my, my, my hat off and just really just thank you because one, to have had 11 calls today, to have just had such a busy day, man, I couldn't tell. We, we just sat on here for over an hour and 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? And I really do just appreciate the insight, even just the gems that you kind of just dropped on me and even in a sense you kind of gave me a call to action today and those are my favorite things to do on the podcast because i love just leaving here or leaving these interviews or closing these things out with something to do with the task at hand because the job is never done even when you're achieving what you want to achieve you where you are you what you want to do there's always work to be done as, as kobe always infamously said 
The job, the job ain't done yet. Job not done yet. Why are we celebrating? You know what I'm saying? There's still more work to even when you get that championship. I was me and my boy where every year we just pick a certain time of the year to start watching the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. And man, if it doesn't just light a fire under you to just, just, just go do something, you might not even be an athlete, but just go do something. Just go have passion about something. Do something, man. You know, I'm, I'm definitely just getting today and even just in reading your bio and just going through the website and everything that y'all are doing. Y'all are not only intentional and deliberate about what y'all do, but y'all love what y'all do. Y'all are very passionate about it. Y'all are very impactful. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, just how things start to become very niche-specific, niche-based, very intentional behind it. But I'm also excited to see, you know, the, the clientele that you continue to bring in, the people who you work with, the testimonials, the content, everything like that. So from down to business to Thursday Labs, man, we're sending y'all nothing but love, nothing but appreciation to everybody who continues to tap in with us to make this happen. I appreciate y'all just the same. But Jake, now, the most important part, the people need to find you. The people need to tap in. The people need to go to the website to find that from unknown to unforgettable online that I saw. You know, so give us the best places to reach you, social media, website, everything like that. Just give us everything you got. Yeah, appreciate you asking that. Um, LinkedIn is is where I have the biggest following right now and, and put out the most content, although that's starting to change. Um, my name is Jake. Last name is Hurwitz. H-U-R-W-I-T-Z. And so uh, you can find me there, follow my stuff or shoot me a DM and just let me know you heard me on this podcast and would love to chat. I mean, I absolutely love when people reach out when they said they've heard me on a podcast, even if it's just like, hey, just wanted to chat and say hi. Cool. Let's chat and say hi. What brought you here? Um, starting to put out more on TikTok, my handle on TikTok and on Instagram is Jake from Thursday, kind of like Jake from State Farm, but Jake from Thursday, exactly how it sounds is how it's spelled. And then our website is thursdaylabs.co, thursdaylabs.co. So um any of those spots, I would say, are the best place to find me. And dude, this was awesome. Great questions. Love what you're doing. And uh, really excited that you, that you have me on today. So thank you. And uh, really psyched to keep in touch as well. Absolutely. We will definitely be locked in. I'm connecting with you on everything once we finish with this. But no, thank you, Jake. I appreciate, you know, just the encouragement, the well wishes, but even just the insight today, even just, you know, I, I know a lot of my audience is right up your alley just from in the, whether they're in the tech space, whether they're a startup founder, a business owner, or entrepreneur. But nonetheless, no matter what you do across that board, we're all content creators. We can all use tips and tricks and just figure out what works for us, what's not working, what may, what we may think is working and being resonated with with our audience and may not really be holding true. So thank you for everything that y'all doing I'm, I'm i'm very interested and excited to be able to not only tap into this journey but continue to follow along as the years go as content grows everything of the source so that everybody out there continuously taps in with us continuously shows love to the podcast i love y'all i appreciate y'all this has been another episode of the down to business podcast here with tamar turner